You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the running public. This is the Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Are we having problems in our relationship? You know, I, I don't want you to think that there is. We've gone a long time without talking to each other. Bracken, normally we chat, I would say almost daily, and I realized this morning that the last time you and I talked was when we interviewed Steve Hammond last Wednesday. It's like five days in between a true conversation with my better half. And I'm, I swear I'm not freezing you out. It's it's not you, it's me sort of thing? No, no. I, I think this is just, uh, I think life got in the way and... And it, it came between us. And, and we've had so many podcasts talking that like we get our talking in, but it's not the way we normally would. And I don't know. It feels like we're 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 passing in the night. It just feels like the pillow talk is me that it I is. so crave. I that's think exactly that the, the non-recorded pillow talk that really, you know, nurtures this relationship it is. Has, has just been slacking this last week. And I miss it, Bracken. And it's not you and it's not me. Okay. It's just the quarantine. Well, it's the quarantine. Quarantine one, Bracken and Kirk, zero. Just kidding. We're doing fine, folks. What's going on, Bracken? What have you been so busy with? Oh, I mean, everything. Coaching and family stuff. Uh, Mother's Day. You know, there's a lot of... a lot of, uh, May is a big birthday month in our family. My mm-hmm. dad, me, my brother. We have my parents' anniversary and Mother's Day all within like three weeks of each other. So Wait, we have... When's your birthday? The 20th. All right. Our birthdays are three days apart. And my brother's the 19th. All right. All right. You're the 23rd? No, I'm the 17th. 17th. And my parents' anniversary is the 15th. So we, we got a lot of stuff in this month of May. So I'm, I'm burning it at both ends. But I also blame Spartan Race. Mm-hmm. Because they've been tagging me in all these old races they're doing, which is awesome that they're replaying all these old races because you get to go back and be like, oh yeah, Emilio's a monster. And uh-huh. Rose was new to this at one point. Bracken was a monster. You know what's funny about that before you tell me what you're going to tell me is that I remember years ago, people would beg on those NBC, uh, the NBC shows because they didn't want the back sob stories. They just wanted to see the action. And now we've gone to this live format. And I'm telling you what, I think those NBC productions, in my opinion, were the best that Spartan has done to date still when they put those all back out and you have Sal talking over us and narrating. I miss that style of recording. I wish we could do both. Yeah. I wish they would do the live coverage. And then like one week after as everyone's like settled back down, you'd get your, your Sal Masekela story. Well, well, that's exactly it is those old recordings tell a story. And the unfortunate thing about the live broadcast is it doesn't necessarily tell the story as cleanly. And I miss that. Yeah. But go ahead and continue as you have been the stud in most of these uh, these rewinds. Well, it's it's weird because at the same time, all the UFC put on their first live event. And it was awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watched it. It was incredible. I, I didn't. Action start to finish. But there's this trend in the UFC right now. And it's the aging fighters who are still good enough to compete, but not good enough to be what they used to be. And they're getting dropped. They're getting hurt, and they're too tough for their own good, so they're still in it. Um, but so I, I'm re-watching these races where I was very successful, and I'm watching these guys fight who were successful about the same time frame I was successful, and some of them are still doing it very well, and of, and they've evolved and improved, and others are getting knocked out because they are, they're obsolete. And it's it's been a weird week rewatching them all. So I went through and I just rewatched every race I've ever been a part of these last like <laughs> ninety six hours and uh, hopping on the bike and stuff. And man, it's been a there's been a lot of thinking and planning over the last ninety six hours about which which fighter am I? Am I the one who is now adapting and going to come back really good, or am I the one who's saying, you know what, it was good while it's lasted, but I'm not going to keep chasing that and keep getting knocked out. So is it is it fair to say that maybe you're hitting the midlife crisis of your athletic career and now you are deciding 100% what next step to take? Yeah. 
All right. Tell me more. Well, I've had a lot of calls with athletes because training cycles have been coming to an end. And almost every single one has asked me, all right, what are you doing now? Like you had your surgery, you're going to have another one. You basically, this whole year is a wash for you. It's going to take you a long time to get back. You're, I'm going to miss like 20 weeks, 26 weeks of running straight. And so I'm going to be starting over. And they're wondering like, are you just going to stick to high rocks and go after that? Cause you can gain weight for that and mm-hmm. do it away from a lot of the other guys who are really good at the sport. Are you going to just stick to stadiums or what? And I think I have an answer now. Yes. I am not ready to be done chasing the series races. But you got to come correct these days. And it was exciting to see me at my best so far doing the thing I love to do and equally exciting to decide, okay, this isn't anymore. Slap a bandaid on it and get back to racing as soon as possible. Like, so I, I wrote out a, uh, a 64 week plan. You know, it's, it's not. It's wait, not wait, 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 let me stop you there. A 64 week plan. Yeah. 64, six, four. Over a year. Yeah, it's, it's basically three 20-week training blocks to try to regain all of the fitness that I had at my absolute best. You hear what this mad scientist is doing, folks? He's, he's I'm guessing, vaguely programmed over a year of training. Yeah. Yeah, um, or at least the the premise of it. Of I believe that with it'll be between 26 and 36 weeks of no running, of mistraining combined with the last three years of spotty, I believe it'll take an entire year of training to, to, to get to the point of where I really want to be. And then that includes an extra 14 weeks of downtimes in between and some building periods. And then it basically target a race, a season I want to be ready for and backlog from there to when I think I'm like really ready to just explode and do what I want to do. And I'll race along the way, but like finally looking at the way I should have three years ago of, all right, repair everything I've ever done wrong and come out better on the other side. And I've realized I can race 20 minute stadium races off any style of training, but I'm ready to get back to being the best 60 minute athlete that I can be. So I feel like that's the sweet spot for our sport right now, Mm -hmm. especially with the move to 10 K supers. Yeah. That plays your favor. Yeah. I would, uh, I would love to see you back playing in the mud bracket. I would also love to see, and I think I mentioned this to you last week um, before we started recording with Steve Hammond was the look in your eyes, that fire, that like, I'm going to kill you look that you had, the fierceness I could see come through in those broadcasts. Um, I'd like to see that bracken out, toe, uh, toe the line with everybody in our sport today. Um, I'll tell you that racing it, you know, you've mentioned this to me a number of times where uh, you, you told me, well, Kirk, if you'd found this sport six, eight years ago, you would have been a podium. You would have probably podiumed at the world championship, mm-hmm. but that, but that's not our sport today. Our sport right. today is if you have a slightly less than your best day, you could lose five places at a U.S. national. It's so tight on the men's side. And I think I think it's time for you to just consistently throw yourself in the mix, man. I would love to see it. I think the people would love to see it. Well, and you you talked about it and I had talked about it where like I'll, I'll get a message from someone being like, hey, like I, I'm interested in you and Kirk's coaching. Um, like – I, I like hearing you talk. Are you a racer too? It's just like, man, like, I don't want to be an egotistical person, but my entire life has been predicated around competition. And it's been so long since I've been relevant on the U.S. National Series scene that there are people who are new to the sport that didn't even know I was a racer, Kirk. Mm. And like that just doesn't sit with me. I get it. I don't want it to be about my ego, but I can't help the fact that I'm a racer and I want to race. Heck yeah. Some people would argue against this, but I will tell you that time is, you know, time is still on your side and heck the best people in our sport seem to be coming out in their mid late thirties anyways. So like, or no, that's not, a, that's not a factor. That concept and the looking back, I, I realized I can take a year. I can have a year of build up uninterrupted, slowly do what I need to do because at that point I'll be the age Hobie was when I came into the sport yeah, and he proceeded to win three world titles after that point. And I'll be a year and a half younger than Cody was when I came into the sport. And when I first moved out to Colorado, I started taking my training seriously about a half year before that I did. But it was a year later where I really became like the point where I'd walk out and just think, man, I'm ready to just go hurt because I don't feel like I can get hurt any worse than what I've done in training. And I, every, I'm well-rounded. I know what I can do. And I feel like it took a year to, to over, to get back to the, anything I'd lost since college. 
And so I'm, I'm kind of looking at that. Like I have a year, do it right and be ready for next, next year. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, to be in your position uh, right now, this is the best. I mean, if the quarantine's done anything for anybody, this is about as good as it gets for you as far as timing, as far as building, as far as coming back from knee surgery, as far as not feeling the pressure of time as much as you would any other season. And it was interesting looking back because there were some real pluses and some real minuses to what I was doing. Like my face looked leaner. Mm -hmm. I was much, I was in much better shape then, but I was also bad at certain things. I was bad at carries other than bucket carry. I was bad at drags and pulls. I was losing a lot of time on barbed wire crawl. I wasn't great at transitions at that point. Like there is as well as I did, the sport being weaker allowed me to hide some weaknesses. And those are areas I'm already better at. So it's interesting mm -hmm. to see like if I can get my running to where it was then with the things that high rocks and stadiums have given me with strength and transitions, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. Well, so I worked my way through 2015, 2016, 2017, and now I'm watching like Veerman and Kent and everyone getting their podiums. And it's like, yeah, yeah, they can do it. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. All right. Well, so so this is your this is your longer winded uh, way of telling me you were busy making a 64 week training plan. You were watching yourself on television mm -hmm. and you were just too busy for your friend Kirk over here. That's what I'm hearing. I was just solely self-absorbed. <laughs> just totally self-absorbed. Um, folks. All right. You probably didn't come here to uh, to listen to us work out our problems. You probably came here to listen to the topic of the day. Bracken, which um, is the old warm up and cool down. And I know I'm going to tell you right away, people, I understand this does not sound sexy at all. In fact, like the warm up and cool down, roll your eyes, blah, blah. They're going to talk about something I don't care about. Well, I'm telling you, if you don't care about it, then you are 100% wrong. And you are 100% doing something wrong if you are just going to brush over this topic. Because I would argue the warm up specifically is probably the most important way to set up a successful race for you. And this is a topic that I'm very passionate about in the sense that I believe people do not warm up enough or properly to get the most out of their body on race day. And so that is uh, what we're going to dive into today. Yeah, this this sport is is really interesting because you get to watch everyone's race. Like we all run the same course. We all run within a couple hours of each other start time wise. And so you get to see everyone's preparation. And if you watch the best of the elite field, men and women, from the moment they wake up to the moment their race starts, they have purpose with everything they're doing. And then you watch the middle of the field and it's a little bit less structured. And then the back of the field warm up and some people are just kind of milling around watching what other people do in men. And you mm. see the same thing with the age group athletes, the top end, they are dialed in from the moment they wake up, they get to their, the venue and they're doing their stuff. And after the race is their like their rub shoulders and catch up time, cool down mm -hmm. together. But, but there is a direct correlation between the amount of specificity to your warm up and the type of people you see on the podium or in the top 10% of their races. Yes, very much so. Now I just want to, I just want to rip the bandaid off with this conversation. All right, Bracken. Um, I've taught a lot of people over the years and a lot of my athletes the importance of the warm up, and I still feel like I bang my head against the wall sometimes with this. Bracken, if I do a warm up, I'm just going to tire myself out for my race, okay? Mm -hmm. The warm up is going to tire me out, and then I'm not going to race as good. So I'm just going to skip my warm up because why would I run before I have to run? Mm -hmm. What do you think? What do you have to say to that athlete? And I'm guessing 50% of the people who tow a Spartan race line don't do a step of running other than to the porta potty before their race. Yeah. There's a time in your life where that's true, where you don't have the fitness to do a full warm up. But Basically, I'm going to answer this with, with an analogy, all right, Kirk? <laughs> oh, you want an analogy? Bracken, you? Yeah, I'm going to dip my toe in the analogy pool today for the first time. Yep. If you and I both have our cars sitting outside in our Minnesota or Wisconsin winter, and we're going to race the next morning, mm -hmm. you and I are, uh, let's say we live right next door to each other, and at 7 a.m., you and I are going to race, all right? All out race in our cars, racing for pink slips. We both let our car sit out all night long. You get up at five, you eat your breakfast, you go outside, you 
put the key in the ignition, let it warm up. You run it for a little bit. Maybe you drive over, fill up gas, drive it back, and then you let it idle and you sit and then you rev it up a few times and then you drive it or up to the freeway and back. And then you get to the race line. I wake up at 6.50, get in the car, crank it up at 6.55, drive to the start line, and then we both floor it. What's going to happen to our cars? I'm going to kick your ass back. Why? Why, why? why in the world would that happen? Our cars aren't athletes. It doesn't need a warm-up. And yet, obviously, it does. Yeah, correct. You are so correct. I'm going to break something in my car if I floor it. Or if nothing breaks, it's just not going to respond. It's The engine is going to rev and whine. And every part of that car, which is not heated up and well lubricated, will not function correctly. And by the time it even gets heated up, you're going to be so far ahead that I'll never catch up. And chances are, I'll never get to the top speed I should have before the race is done. Would you say that that is at all a reach? No, I think that was fantastic, Bracken. What an analogy. What an analogy. That's us. We can't go from a cold start to just performing at top peak efficiency because that is not the way our engine works. We are no different than a car. Towing a, a race starting line is like going out to your car in zero degree temperature, starting it and flooring it and seeing how it reacts. Whereas a warm up is exactly what you had mentioned a car that is ready to go because you've run it, it's been used recently and it's and it's firing. And that's a really good analogy, Bracken. And a car is dealing with mechanical situations where we have soft tissue to loosen up. We have, you know, uh, all of like our tendons and ligaments and the uh, the firing of everything, uh, but core body temperature, all of those things uh, to factor in as well. So I would say even compared to a car, I think our body would react even more negatively from a cold start than a vehicle. Yeah. And yeah. you have to get gasoline every place it needs gasoline and you have to get the oil through there and you have to get the, the fluids up to the temperature you want them to be at. That's the exact same way for our body. If you haven't got your heart rate up, got your blood pumping, put your muscles through the range of motion you're about to use, you are out of luck. Yep. So true story. I have an athlete that I work with and they had never done their warmups ever. They had the same thought. It's just going to tire me out. I don't have a ton of time and I just, I've never had an issue with it. So we did a time trial. We did a one mile time trial and they ran 636. This is a man who ran 636 and his splits like got uh, progressively worse throughout. Went out at a certain pace and within 200 meters was burning and his hamstrings were on fire and he started tying up halfway through. Four days later, I had him go through an eight minute warm up, four minutes of jogging, three minutes of dynamic work, two strides. And then he mm -hmm. ran the bare minimum warm up. Didn't have to worry about any fatigue buildup, and he ran 5.57. That's right? incredible. So 39 seconds improved just because he didn't instantly start tying up and burning the second he had to start moving. Eight-minute warm-up. That's not tiring. Mm -hmm. If you can't do an eight-minute warm-up, you shouldn't be running a race, right? Correct. But you can get away with a bare minimum warm-up, and it will be better than just sitting there cold start. Yeah. That's actually a really incredible difference there. Mm -hmm. Well, think about it. What if you towed the line in a one-mile race? Oh, God. I'd be doing, first of all, 20 minutes of warming up with dynamic. No, if, if you didn't get to. Oh, it'd be horrible. I couldn't even imagine what I'd feel like by the time I hit that quarter mile. In college, what was your PR in the mile or equivalent from 1,500? 4.10-ish. Okay. What could you have run cold start? 4.30 at best. I was going to say 4.30 probably. Yep. I think when I ran 4.15, I could have run 4.35, 4.36 cold mm -hmm. start. And it would have hurt more than the 415 hurt. Yep. It's it's just universal. You know, I bet you a number of you out there, and I know we have a lot of elite listeners. We have competitive and age group listeners and some open listeners. And, of course, you running folk who don't do Spartan at all. But um, have you ever started a race and you find yourself way more out of breath after the first 200 meters? You go up your first little incline and your legs are already completely burning and shot. And you're like, holy cow, that effort caught me off guard. That is how you're going to feel every race start if you do not warm up. Now, the the pure difference is, and the th biggest thing I hear my athletes say when they do a proper warm up, let's just say before a race, is that the intensity of the beginning does not cause them pain or catch them off guard, and they're able to get right into their rate of work in which they they need to get into. So, I think we should dive into some more specifics here, Breck, and I think we got the point across yeah. that the warm up is instrumental, you guys to performing your best in a race. Uh, and the other thing is, is that you would think, oh, it's only a short race. It's only a sprint. I don't need much of a warm up. 
Wrong. In fact, the shorter the race, I would argue the more thorough of a warm-up you need because the race will be shorter. That means the pace will be more intense and aggressive, and your body needs to be ready for those stressors instantly once that start gun goes off. Sprinters, 100-meter dash sprinters warm up for an hour to an hour and a half before a race. Exactly. It's crazy for a 10-second race. Correct. Um, So let's talk about Let's broad stroke warm up and what we what we go through mm-hmm. and maybe why, okay? Yeah. Um, because half the audience may not warm up. The other half does warm up, but maybe half of them don't warm up correctly. It's not correct. just you should or you shouldn't. It's you should, but now you should also do it correctly. Yep. Yeah. So why don't we just say, let's just take a, a 45 minute race, okay? We'll just kind of cut the difference here. First of all, why don't you tell me your first... Uh, decision you make regards your warm up. If let's say you're going out to do a Spartan Super, or race a 10k, somewhere in that distance, uh, what's your thought process there, Brad? Well, my luckily I don't even have to think because I do the same warm up on race day that I do on all my quality days. Perfect. Okay, and great. Sometimes I only do two thirds of that warm up on quality days. You know, if I don't feel the need, like if I'm not doing all this OCR movement, I won't do some of the dynamic motion I do, but I do the same thing in practice that I do on race day. So I don't have any fear of fatiguing myself or doing the wrong thing. Okay, great. So how long should somebody warm up for the average competitor who wants to do well? Um, How long should they spend warming up? I think the bare minimum someone would want to warm up is is 25 to 30 minutes. 25 to 30 minutes. That's crazy, Bracken. I could never do that. Yeah. And you know, you can do it in less, but the last thing you want before a race is stress. I think the bare minimum you need is 10 minutes of walking and jogging combined, getting your body warmed up, 10 minutes of dynamic type work, putting your muscles through the range of motion you're about to use and increasing levels of exertion that you're about to use. And then 10 minutes of doing some sort of strides, accelerations, and getting your final race prep, getting your shoes and gear on. That's what I think 30 minutes is a good, safe bet. You know, I see a lot of people. Some people are good about the warm-up in the sense that they get out, they start running. uh, But then when they get back, they just kind of stand there for another 15, 20 minutes, and they almost, their sweat starts to get cold again. And they sit there, and then they're in the start corral for 10 minutes. And by the time the gun goes off, they're shivering again. I see so many damn yahoos. And yeah, I'm probably offending half of you out there and that's fine. They show up to the start line. It's 40 degrees and they have shorts on and they have their t-shirt on and they're standing there shivering, waiting to check in. Then they stand there and they're shivering. Your body is that car sitting outside at zero degrees on a winter day. And you've already set yourself up to be in trouble. I show up in two layers of pants. I got my jacket on, my hood on, my my mittens, even if it's 40 degrees out, because I already want me myself incubated. I want those muscles not getting cold, not getting, um, just already starting to think about the process. My warm-up process starts in the car. The heat's up a little high. I'm feeling warm and ready to get out of my car and go register because uh, I do never want to feel like that cold car sitting out in the park in the driveway. Um, so first of all, Show up overdressed. That's my first, I mean, if it's the summer and whatever, but a lot of times we're racing early. My first step, show up with plenty of clothes on. Absolutely. And and what you said is is so important. Once your warm-up starts, it doesn't stop until the gun goes off. Nope. Once the ball gets rolling, you don't want it to stop. You don't want to take your car in and out of the cold. Once you get it warm, you keep it warm. And so if that means shortening your warm up a little bit, like you can start playing around with those things, but you move from one phase to the other with purpose. It has to be a purposeful thing. And like you said about being warm, you need to have active sweat rolling down your body when the gun goes off. It's not, I get warmed up, I'm ready. And now I relax. Like, yeah, you can relax, but you keep an amount of movement going so that you have sweat being produced as you start. You ever look at the start line of the men's pro wave or the elite wave, and you got Killian with his dry robe over himself. You've got everybody, including myself, with my hat still on and my jacket. You got Ryan Atkins, who likes to stand out there with his shirt off, but he's got his hands tucked in his armpits, and he's keeping his core warm by holding his body. He always looks all casual and relaxed. What he's doing is keeping his trunk warm. And he also does the hardest strides I've ever seen someone in OCR do right before he takes the line. Mm-hmm. So he's just, he, like all out sprint I've seen him do before a race. So let's, so let's talk about, and guys, by the way, we we're referring to races here and that's what really matters. 
but we practice this before all of our quality interval days. Um, so we're probably doing this warm up twice a week uh, before any any workout which matters to us, anything in which we're putting forth a big effort, anything in which we're putting forth higher speeds, um, this warm up is applicable. So as far as the warm up goes, uh, I agree with you to start. Uh, 20 to 30 minutes. I usually leave for my warm up 30 minutes before the race start, probably even a little before that, because you want to have plenty of time. And just as you mentioned, let's say you go out and you run for 10 to 15 minutes, which is typically what I will do. Um, I will uh, keep my body moving. Once I get back to the tent, back to my gear, back to whatever, I am never idle. If I have to go use the porta potty, which we all do, I'm jogging to it and I'm jogging back. I'm not casually walking there and sitting in line. I still have all my clothes on. I'm feeling hot. I'm sweating. My under layer of my shirt is actually starting to saturate with sweat. And you're thinking, Oh, this is bad. No, this you're right where you want to be at that point. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I like to look at it. Um, the same way I look at periodizing a season, I start with the broad, vision and I get more race specific as I go. Same thing for warm up. I'm starting with general global movements. I'm getting my body ready for work. So I start the exact same way I plan a season. I start with my base movement. You know, I'm getting my hips moving. I'm getting my shoulders moving, getting my core moving. Then I move into jogging. When I get done with jogging, I move into dynamic movements, A skip, B skip, C skip, arm swings, more dynamic movement with more power going into the ground and more range of motion being used. And I finish with hard accelerations right before the race. So the closer I get to the race, the closer my body is being prepared for the exact demands of what I'm about to do. If it's a stadium race, I'm finishing with quick hand release push-ups, get up, run a hard stride, you know, doing some quick mini transitions. So the first time my body has to shunt blood is not on the first obstacle. That pathway has already been opened up and greased. Yep, that's a great point. Do you know how I know I'm doing something right or I'm on the right track before a race? Is I'll do my warm up and then I'll go hit the porta potty and I'll sit down. And if sweat drips off my face onto the floor while I'm sitting there, I say, Oh, you're doing something right, Kirk. I sit in that porta potty and I'm hot and I get drips of sweat coming down and I go, All right, we're going to be all right. We've done what we need to do at least to start. Um, and with the warm up, so we're going to leave, you're going to start your running or do some dynamic stuff first, but I'm going to spend 10 to 15 minutes running. And most of that is going to be at recovery effort, but I am going to put in between two and four bouts of 30 to 45 seconds of strides or pickups that are going to hit race pace or faster. I do not want my body to feel the intensity of that race or workout for the first time once it starts. And people are going to say, oh, I don't want to work too hard or I'm breathing harder. Oh, I even felt some burn in my legs during this. Great, because you're buffering your body to anticipate those demands. Um, It's actually some science behind that is when you get yourself working hard and you actually induce a little bit of fatigue in your warmup, it's like a lactate buffer. It helps your body get ready to process cycle uh, through the, the byproduct of hard work. And if you can kind of stoke that fire before the race starts, uh, you can actually uh, feel that benefit when you start to race. So uh, I'm going to hit some hard, extended 30, 45 second efforts in my warm up run that are going to be uncomfortable, where I'm going to think, oh, am I working almost too hard right now? I should be saving it. No, I want to be breathing hard. I want my legs to burn a little bit. And I want to hit that point where I'm like starting to actually work. And then I then I shut it down quick. And then I recover for a minute or two with easy jogging. And then I hit another one. Uh, every time I do that, I feel good at the start of a race when the gun goes off because I've prepped my body. I already know what it's going to feel like because I just started to feel it in my warm up, And now it's not a surprise to me when I start racing. Exactly. How many times have we heard this story from someone? You know, I always finish so strong, but I never really get going until a mile or two into the race. I just don't. I'm not fast enough. I just don't get going until a mile or two in. Yeah. <laughs> The first thing I think when I hear that is it's time to add some pickups or accelerations into your warm-up. If you are running the fastest speed you've hit that day as the race starts, you're not ready. The start of the race should be like the fourth fastest you've run that morning. You've got to have several pickups or accelerations that are race pace or faster. Otherwise, yeah, that first mile is a system shock and it takes a mile or two to get back under control and get get your body into the point where it can start working efficiently. So if you are having that issue in workouts or races where it takes me five or 10 minutes to start finding my rhythm, it's probably a warm-up thing. And think about workouts. 
your best rep is usually rep like two, three, or four of a, of a workout. It's never rep one. Yep. Sometimes it's not rep two, but during rep one, you're not thinking, oh man, I'm tiring myself out for the next couple of reps. It's I got to get through this bad rep and then my body starts clicking. That's what your warm up is. You should feel tired and you should have that little tickle in the back of your brain like, oh man, am I tiring myself out? That means you're doing it right. You are going to perform better if you're a little tired coming into the race. You know, I learned this lesson in high school, Bracken. Um, it came down to our sectional track meet my junior year of high school and top two go to state. Okay. And I was far beyond the top two. We had Chris Zielinski in our sectional. Oh, yeah. And he was up against, and then Brent Ryder, who ran 414 in high school. Point B, I was not expected to go to state. I had guys in front of me. And my coach said, you got to be ready for the pace they're going to throw down and you're going to stick until you die. And I want you to go run a quarter mile at, at, it was like 64 seconds before the race. I want you to go run hard. I want your body to get ready. And he'd never asked that of me before. And I'd never had to do that before. And damn it, Brack. And I stuck onto them for almost three out of almost 1200 meters. And I never felt so good the first half of a race in my entire life. Um, I was ready for that effort. And I was tired. I remember that 400 meter warm up sprint. Uh, I remember hitting the last hundred of that and kind of tying up a little bit and being like, oh, it's not going to be my day. But my body just wasn't ready for that effort in the warm up. But that warm up got me ready for the effort in the race. And I learned that lesson that day and I've never looked back. You can't, the only way you can work too hard in a warm up is if you start really going out and put minutes and minutes and minutes in at like revving your red line. That's my philosophy now. And I learned that lesson my junior mm -hmm. high school. Or if you're not prepared in training. If your question is, I don't know if I can do a 20 minute warm up, then you haven't earned it in training. And so sure. like race day is not the time to use this, but that's why we do this on all of our quality days. And you start figuring out like, well, maybe 15 minutes isn't for me, 12 my body responds to, or eight or 10 minutes of jogging is perfect for me. You learn that over time, you earn your perfect warm up. And just like your story, mine was in college. We started noticing, uh, we all ran the 800 meters in college, but the last race of the day is the four by 400 meter relay. Mm -hmm. We noticed that no matter how tired we were coming into the four by four, we never tied up in the 400 after having run the 800, like 35 minutes before. And we realized after we produced lactic acid already, and we got that burn. We didn't produce it as terribly the second time. We didn't know if, are we just out of it? Like, can we not mm -hmm. produce it enough or are we just better at buffering it now? But we started doing hard 300 meter interval like eight to 10 minutes before the start of our 800 meters. And I immediately stopped tying up as badly during the 800. I'd run yep. a hard 300. Like you talked about your 400. I'd run it at like uh, right around the first 300 pace of an 800. I'd run it hard and then I'd rest for eight to 10 minutes while doing the rest of my warm up. And I'd be tired. But then by the time I got to the line, I'd be super loose and I just didn't tie up. But again, earned through training first. You didn't try it on race day for the first time. You know, think about what our warm-up does, folks, okay? What does our warm-up do in the most in the most basic sense, okay? Our warm-up, one, helps loosen up our muscle tissue. It warms it up. It gets it's ready to relax and contract and expand and contract. Uh, we have tendons and ligaments. All of our muscles are then attached to our joints via tendons and ligaments, okay? All of that and the fascia needs to loosen up so it can go through its full range of motion, so it can... Uh, contract the way it needs to. So you don't pull anything, for example. And then also warming up when you get our body temperature up, guys, it causes our blood vessels to vasodilate, which means our blood vessels, our capillaries open up to supply more oxygen to our muscles so we can work more efficiently. That cold car, going back to that great analogy Bracken had, like our, our blood vessels are constricted. They're not even open enough to supply enough blood to, to perform at a high level until you get that engine revved up. So creating a higher core body temp, it's gonna loosen up the muscle, it's gonna loosen up the attachments, it's gonna cause your blood vessels to vasodilate or open up, which is gonna supply your muscles with more blood, which is then going to say, hey, I can now complete more work because I'm being fueled with oxygen. The engine works more efficiently. I am telling you like that is like pure science. That That is the science of warm up 101. Um, and those are the reasons that we do it. So. Um, I just wanted to clear that up so people kind of understood in the basic sense mm -hmm. what our warm up is accomplishing. 
No, that was perfect. So I'd, I'd like to think that if there were any doubters, they're now at least saying, all right, you know, I think I'll probably try a warm up before my next quality day. Yep. Let's give them your go-to warm-up and my go-to warm-up, the specific way that you warm up so that they have a framework for what to start implementing and testing for themselves. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I want to, I wanted to touch on one quick thing before we jump into that. And oh, this is just, just really quick, um, is static stretching. Yes. Good, good, good. I'm glad you said this. Before the warm-up, um, people <clears throat> common like would be to, okay, I'm going to do a hamstring stretch. Now I've run a little bit and now I'm going to sit there and sit in this hamstring stretch for two minutes or this or that. Um, static stretching folks, and that's again where you're just holding a stretch, is not really the answer in a warm-up before uh, an event. Now static stretching has its place after a workout is completed, but not before. Um, there is a number of studies out there that show that static stretching, true static stretching, um, really can actually zap some of the power and spring out of your uh, muscles, which means you're going to lose a little bit of power and efficiency. It would be the same thing as if you kept stretching a rubber band over and over for years. It's not going to spring back as quickly or as efficiently. It's going to stay a little bit like, I don't know, flaccid, so to speak. Um, we want to it's do never that. Good. Flaccid is always an undesired state to be in. Yes. So, um, so we don't want to actually do a lot of static stretching before our competition. So when we say get warmed up and get your stretching in, we're talking dynamic stretches. We're talking movements in which you're moving your body through ranges of motion. We're not sitting there doing a butterfly stretch for four minutes, then a glute stretch for four minutes, then this. We're constantly moving, ebbing, and flowing. Um, a lot of times even these stretches, these dynamic stretches with an elevated heart rate. And I just wanted to make that clear first. That static stretching is not the answer before a race or a hard work. That's perfect. And, and it's tough mentally because people are like, I don't want to tweak a hamstring or I don't want to strain my back. And it's finding the right balance between keeping that elasticity in your muscles where you're a little bit tight, but having full range of motion so that you have no risk of injury. And that's where that dynamic warm-up comes in. Correct. Um, okay. Do, do you have any more to add to that or we can jump into our own personal warm-ups? No, now? you nailed it. Okay, cool. Um because I'm guessing a lot of people were out there thinking, okay, I'm going to run and then I'm going to do a real thorough stretch before I go race. And then their legs could feel a little flat. And that's because you've overused the, you've, you've lost a little of your pop because you've just stretched those muscle fibers and tendons much. I don't do any holds during my warmup. Everything is moving except for pigeon stretch. My hip and lower back area doing that pigeon is the only thing I hold because that's something that personally I found, but it doesn't impact my hamstrings, my quads, anything like that. So I feel the need. I mean, I feel I feel okay doing that. But outside of that one that I do, and that's only briefly, I don't hold anything during my warm-up. Yeah, it's a good rule of thumb. Like if you're holding something for any amount of time in your warm-up, you're probably doing it wrong. Um, I think that would just be holding a stretch too long. Static stretching, that would be good. So uh, for me personally, warm-up, um, I'm going to, again, as I had alluded towards, I'm going to be overdressed when I get to the festival area, whether it's a Spartan race or a road race, I do the same protocol. Um, even in the summer, if it's 70 degrees, I'm wearing pants. Even if it's 7 a.m., I'm always overdressed. So I start my warm-up already like comfortable. I'm not sitting there shivering, blah, blah, blah. Um, if you're sitting there shivering at any point before you start your warm-up, folks, you you need to put on more clothes, okay? And you need to be smarter, okay? You, you, this isn't, you know, you put the time in to pay for your race, to drive all the way somewhere, get a hotel, fly, and then you're going to show up and shiver in your Under Armour compression shirt and your compression tights in 30-degree weather. Like, use your brain, guys, okay? So I'm warm. Um, anyways, uh, so then I go out for my run and I started a recovery effort for me. That seven minutes, seven thirty, eight minute pace doesn't even really matter. Uh, and I make sure I'm getting a good sweat going. I would say that is probably 10 minutes of running, uh, after, and I'm trying to hit some race terrain in this, by the way, I'm not avoiding, if it's a mountain race, I'm kind of doing some little easy climbs in my warmups. I'm using the terrain to my advantage. I'm not sitting there doing flat stuff in a parking lot. If the race is a climb. For example, uh, after that 10 minute mark, then Bracken, I am going to start hitting some of my accelerations, which means I'm going to go into two to four, 30 to 45 second pickups as fast, working into as fast and then faster than race pace, where I'm actually starting to work a little bit. It's actually uncomfortable. It feels like I'm almost working. Um, I'll take a minute or two of easy jogs in between those. And then I may get some space of my own out there. I might be out in the festival area. I don't want to be by people yet. I just want to gather my head. And I may pick a spot to go start doing my dynamic stuff. I'm going to do 
lateral leg swings. I'm going to work my hips out. I'm going to <clears throat> do where, you know, where you're walking and you, and you kick your leg to the front and tap your hand out in front of you. I'm going to do a little glute work. I'm going to do some like walking lunge, but with a stretch motion for the hip flexor. I'm going to do some of that stuff in my own space. I'm going to go do my thing. I'm going to do my dynamics. It's really hard to explain this stuff, Brack. We might even have to come out with a little more specifics on this because explaining it is going to be tough. Um, and then I'm going to jog back to the festival area and start getting ready for my race. So again, 10 or so minutes of jogging into two to four bouts of 30 to 45 second accelerations where I'm actually working. I'm working almost down to probably five minute pace at some of those, maybe even quicker. And then I'm getting some dynamic warmups into my own space where I can get my head right for the effort to come. And then I'm going back to the festival area, sweating, use the porto, change the shoes, slowly start stripping off some clothes as the race gets. I would say that would be my general summary. That all seem clear to you, Bracken? Yes, it does. I'm not too different than that. I I start with this with all my clothes on. Like whatever I was wearing to stay warm at the event before we started, that's what I head out for my jog with. And my goal is to be starting to sweat by the end of it. So I, I jog actually a little less than you to start. I do eight to 12 minutes, depending on the race. Beast, I'm doing eight minutes. Um, sprint, I'm doing 12. Stadium might be the exception. I might bump up to 15 for that. As the race gets shorter, I extend my warm up. But eight to 12 minutes of easy, slow jogging. But by the end of that, because I'm overdressed, I'm getting warm. So I get back and then I go through a little like controlled five minutes of dynamic work. So I'm doing even little things. Like I start, I start at mini movements and I move up to bigger. So I start by walking on my toes and then walking on my heels, both forward, pigeon-toed and duck-footed on heel and toe, just working every little thing down there, getting ready to move. And I move up like that. I do little, um, then running with just flicking my feet forward, running, flicking my feet back, run, flicking them side to side, same thing with my arms. And I do little, little motions like that until I get to the point where I'm feeling very loose and ready. And then I go out and I do a steady state run. Okay. And that steady state basically is just running right around threshold, um, for just like two to four minutes. Not easy running though. You're to running. This is the worst part of my warm-up. When I'm running this, I feel like hot death. I feel so heavy, so sluggish, like I couldn't possibly run well today. Because I'm still a little overdressed. I've taken one layer off now, but now I'm I'm still overdressed. And I run for two to four minutes at threshold pace, which is enough that you're gonna get a little tired, but it get that this serves as my if I have any like Anything else that needs to get warmed up and and system pumping, this gets it going to the point where now I'm ready for anything intense. I think you brought up a really good point, though, and that is how you feel in a warm-up has no indicator of how you're going to feel in the race. In fact, no. some of my best races came after my most sluggish warm-ups, and it's because, like you had mentioned, you're overdressed. You're not, you haven't experienced a hard effort yet. So it's the first time your body's exposed to something quicker. So you're going to feel sluggish always in that. And there's that race pending. Like your body goes into this weird mode where it's like totally suppressing everything until the gun goes off. And so nothing feels good. It just, it's really disconcerting feeling, but you just have to get comfortable with the idea that I'm going to feel like crap during my warm up, and that's fine. I have a question. Did you... Some of the best races that you've ever had. Do you remember how you felt in those warmups? Crappy. I've had probably six races in my entire life where I felt like I was floating on air during warmups. And I think only one or two translated to the race. But I the my best races during the warmup, I felt like, how could I even possibly race today? Yep. Just exhausted doing a hundred meter acceleration. Like that is exhausting. I am not in shape. That's just what happens. It's it's a it's got to be psychological to some extent, but it's just what happens. So I've done my easy jogging, I've done my easy mobility and like dynamic, and then I do my steady state, and then I get into the final stage of mobility where I'm doing my more intense stuff: a skip, b skip, c skip, um, progressively faster and wider range of motion, leg swings, um, doing some like inchworm stuff, doing practicing for going under walls or a couple like. Um, burpees or, or Spider-Man push-ups, things that are going to get me ready for the final like stage of preparation for the race. And then I do three or four hard accelerations where I start 
um, jogging and I accelerate up to a fast pace. I do one or two slower than race pace, one or two at race pace, and then I crack the whip on one final one way faster than I'll ever need to run, finish gasping and feeling like crap, sweat's pouring, and now I walk to the start line. How long are these accelerations? Uh, anywhere from 80 to 200 meters, depending on how much space I have in front of me and what kind of race I'm prepping for. But yeah, like, like that 10 to 20 seconds on my accelerations. I, I don't do incredibly long accelerations if I've done my steady state already. If I don't have time for the steady state or I'm not in good enough shape at that time of the year where I want to do a four minute extended steady state, then I do like six strides and I'll do the first couple like 200 meters long and then shorten them to 100. I think the theme you guys uh, are picking up on right now is that we are actually doing some real work before the race happens. We are warm. We are overdressed. We are creating body heat. We are creating all that elasticity in our muscles and the vasodilation through the process of getting hot, getting real work done, breathing a little bit heavy, getting a little uncomfortable. So as we've mentioned a couple of times, our bodies are have already felt what the beginning of the race is going to feel like, and that's not catching us off guard. And we're going to be able to get right to work. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know, semantics between Bracken and my warm-up, but the main theme is, is we're putting time on feet, we're working range of motion, we're doing dynamic movements to warm up, and we're doing a little bit of hard work. Mm-hmm. I think those things, if you can get those things in some sort of order that works for you, you're you're on your way. And, and I think it's important to note that when I finish my steady state and my final round of dynamic work, that's when I strip off my warm-ups, get my race shorts on, get my race sho- socks and shoes on, make sure it's all tight. Then I throw a layer back on and then I do my hard strides. If it's a hot, hot day, I might leave that layer off, but I get all my race gear on and then I do my three to five, four to six strides, depending on the day. And by the end of that, I probably stop and retie my shoes twice and adjust my socks because they loosen up a little bit. But by the time I get done with that, I'm ready that my shoes are set, my body's set. Now I jog over to the start line. I take my last sip of water and I make sure that, all right, a minute or two out from the race, I'm tossing off my last layer of clothes and I'm ready to rock. And I'm I'm breathing too hard. I'm yep. thinking, oh man, I'm breathing way too hard. That, that, that hurt, but now I'm ready. Yeah. If you look at the top guys in the elite field, top men and women, you see guys sneaking into the start corral from the sides through the, because everybody's waiting until the last minute to go to the front because we're not getting there. You don't see any of the top elites standing there waiting for the guy to give us the sign to go over the corral. We're all milking that. We're all trying to stay warm. We're not going into that corral and sitting there then for 15 minutes being the first ones over the wall to get in there. No, we sneak in, we stay warm. And guys, I'm telling you, I do this every race. I bring extra layers to me to the start line. I peel them off after the national anthem or after, you know, we have an idea we're going to go and I throw them to the side. And I'll tell you what, after four years of racing, not once has my clothes got stolen. Not once have I not been able to go back and find it. So bring a junky shirt. If you're worried about it, bring an old hat to the start corral. And when you know, it's almost go time, like just toss it to the side. Again, I've never had anything stolen. And another tip there is a lot of times uh, the volunteers pick that stuff up and put it kind of by the announcer table at the front. Um, so you can find it there as well, but don't hesitate to wear the clothes in to the start line just to make sure you stay warm. Um, and again, don't, don't get mad at me if your stuff gets stolen, but in four years, mine has not. So, um, just something to think about there as well. Yeah. The, the last thing I want to say is that not everyone has the ability to avoid going in and standing in the corral. We mm-hmm. do get a little bit of preferential treatment, but in races where I don't think I'm going to be able to do that, some world championships, they don't let you. And if I have to get there a little early, I save a little bit of my dynamic work for right at the line. Mm-hmm. Really simple stuff. So I'm doing quick little butt kicks and high knees in place. I'm doing my last arm swings. I If I have to get in there and find a position, I have some stuff I can do within a three foot radius. So I'm staying moving until the gun goes. I'm not going in there and standing static and shivering for five minutes waiting. I just, I cannot do that. And I wouldn't recommend anyone else does. Bracken likes to stand right on the very far edge of the start line next to the post. He gets a little more room over there. If you look at any start line, Bracken's the guy in the far corner, his own little space, probably because you're doing some of those dynamics over there. Yep. And and I will say this, as someone who struggled throughout the years with uh, race anxiety, there is nothing that takes your mind off it better, nothing more soothing or distracting than a specified warm-up. My most nervous time is waiting for my warm up to start. Me too. 
As soon as my warm-up starts, okay, now it's business. Now I'm going back to what I know. And again, it's why you do it in every practice so that as soon as it goes, okay, now I'm back in my comfort zone. I know I've got my jog. I got my dynamics. I got my my steady state. Ooh, now I get to take my top layer warm-up and get my, my race shoes on. Now I'm going from heavy shoes down to my race shoes. I'm going to start feeling a little lighter. Race is getting here. I can't wait to go. And suddenly you're not focused on that anxiety as much. Got it. Not for anything else. It helps release some of that anxiety. That's such a good point. We've been talking about this in a race scenario, and this also applies to hard workouts. Now, what if you're the person who is busy as shit and they're trying to squeeze in a quality workout with a limited amount of time? Let's say they have to get it done before work or they have a a short amount of time after work. If we're going to expedite this process, people use the excuse like, I don't have time. I need to get my workout in an hour. I need to do all this. I can't spend 20 to 30 minutes doing this before a, before a workout. What do you suggest for that? For me, per, no, it, it's finding what your body responds best to. But for me personally, for a workout or a race, I can be ready to go in five to six minutes if I do my bare minimum dynamic work right into two or three strides. Yeah, you talked about this when sometimes you get stuck at a stadium race and, uh, or there's like delays and then they suddenly decide the race is going to happen. You said you have like an expedited warm-up. So I yeah. actually, it's something you've like, you've planned. Yeah. Yeah. What I like to do in training is pretty much every third quality day, basically one out of every three or four that I do, I give myself a, a, a bad situation. Like I'll set my watch and be like, all right, first rep starts in eight minutes. Be ready or first rep starts in 12 minutes, be ready, or first rep starts in five minutes, be ready. And I play around with that. How can I be ready to, and I haven't done this as much recently, but I did this a lot from like 2012 to 2015 when I was first trying to dial in my workouts. And I would just say, okay, I have 20 minutes till first rep. How do I maximize that time? And what I found is that I can reduce or completely remove my warm up jog but I need some amount of dynamic movement and some amount, most importantly, is striding out. Okay. So that's what I do. Three or four minutes of back to back, boom, 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 no rest between high knees, butt kicks, A skip, B skip, C skip, leg swings, a little bit of shoulder swinging, two strides, and I can go. Yeah. Okay. That's that's great. You're constantly and I think moving. it would get me to like 90, 95% of the way there. Yeah. What race was it you had to do that? Oh, I know what race it was. We had the Minnesota Mountain Series race. Mm. Uh, mountain series in quotations. And you came down for that. Um, and we had a rain delay and they were like, we were sitting there and we weren't allowed into the venue yet. And suddenly the rain cleared and they said, we're starting on time guys. And it was like seven 20. And they're like, we're starting in 10 minutes. And we just got into the festival area and you said, Oh, it's cool. I'm no problem. I got a plan for this. Yep. And you know what? Everyone was losing their minds and you were not cause you knew what to, you were doing. And you know what? You came out hot as shit that race and ran great. Yeah. And how long did you warm up for? I think we had eight. I think I did my eight minute routine. And then we were at the start line. And they held us for a little bit. I got there two minutes early. Like I was, I wasn't as warmed up as I could have been, but I was warmed up to a point where I knew, all right, this warm up and the way I feel right now, I can get out and crack the whip in a sprint. And it even added a little bit mentally to me that day because I knew even if I'm not at my best, I'm comfortable. Everyone else is losing their mind. That's now an extra arrow in my quiver. Let's do this. Like it got me almost excited that we were we were um, inconvenienced because I knew I was ready. It happened in uh, Indiana one year too. We got it got really muddy. Cars couldn't move, but the race was still starting on time. And eventually, my brother and I jumped out of the car, ran to the registration tent, and from the time we left the car to the time the race started, it was like seven minutes. Ugh. But I got ready because I had I did my I did two minutes to get registered because luckily that I had my packet waiting for me. That was a perk. But I did my five minute warm up and I raced a sprint. Wasn't ideal, but I'd been there in training. Yep. Um, for me, if I need to do an expedited warm up, if I'm in a time crunch, and I gotta imagine a lot of you guys find yourself in that situation a lot. Um, I can get it done with about a half a mile, and I'll say three to five minutes of running. Um, and then I'm going to go right into my, my strides or my pickups, 30 seconds of hard work, 30 seconds easy. I might go through four rounds of that. And then I'm just going to do like my high knees, butt kicks, C skips. Um, I can get that all done in about eight minutes, but I'm getting to getting to work pretty quick on that. I may just shake out the legs for a minute with no running to let my heart rate come down and just kind of reset. And then I'm going to hit it. I would say within 10 minutes of starting my first step, I can be doing hard work. Um, I just got to get into those quicker efforts and I got to get those dynamic stuff in, but, uh, not ideal, but it's possible. 
And that's the one where you you treat the warm up like an obstacle race. You nail your transitions. You transition to the registration tent and back to your car. That's a spot for a pickup. You do your dynamic while you're standing in line at the registration tent. You then do your pickup to the porta john. You go to the bathroom and then you do another stride back to get your race shoes on. Everywhere you move is part of your warm up rather than a filler. You just take advantage of every single second you have and you can get warmed up. Yeah, I don't think I'm walking anywhere before a race. I am jogging to here. I mean, other, once I have my packet in my hand and i am got my stuff set down, I don't know if I'm walking. I'm jogging to everywhere. I'm just keeping the, the juices flowing. Yeah. All right, let's just talk real quick, Bracken. Uh, I think we, is there anything else you want to add to the warm up um, specifically we didn't touch on? The only thing I'd add is that if I remove the warm up jog and shorten the strides and like do half the dynamics, that's my easy day routine. I'll okay. do two or three minutes of easy dynamic work, range of motion stuff. And then instead of strides, I do just like many little pickups while doing buck kicks or like leg kicks while jogging. And then I start up. Sometimes I'll do it after the first three or four minutes of jogging on my run. I'll stop and do a little bit of dynamics and keep moving. But it's my injury prevention. On a recovery day. Recovery or easy day, yeah. Or even okay. long run day, a little bit. Okay. Um, I don't do any of that on recovery or easy days. I just... I've had to start as I'm aging and getting injured. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other side of the coin, and we're not going to spend nearly as much time on this, folks, because I don't think it warrants it, to be honest. Um, and that's the cool down. So everything's done. Your workout's done. Your race is done. And now we cool down. Um, I still go back and forth on this. There's just a couple of points I want to hit on. Um, a lot of times the last thing you want to do after a race when you're muddy and cold and wet is go run more uh, or go do some sort of cool down. Do you have, I'll talk on my philosophies in a second. Do you have any go-to uh, thoughts on the cool down bracket and how you approach it? I do like the same thing I do for a warm up, but in reverse and chilled. So okay. I get done with the race and I try to do like one or two light strides. Once I've got my stuff together, I'm heading back towards the car. I'll try to do a pickup or two, not fast, but just getting my legs, just shake them out a little bit. And then I get back there. And so I'm moving in reverse. Now I do like just two or three minutes of light dynamic motion going through range of motion because we do some damage to our bodies and then we stiffen up and I want to just give it a chance to loosen up a little bit. And then I get all my clothes back on and then I finish up with what I um, generally would start with is a light, easy jog. And some lots of times it's usually with friends and we'll mm -hmm. go really slow, but we might do 10, 20, 30 minutes sometimes, but just really slow walking at times, stopping to pee, stopping to, you know, let a side cramp go away, just, mm -hmm. just shooting the breeze and jogging. And then throughout the day, I static stretch or do um, mobility work as needed. Every couple of minutes I'll, I'll work something out. Okay. Um, similar philosophy for myself there. I think, um, First of all, do I believe a cool down is necessary after a long, arduous, grueling race? I'm going to tell you that I don't think it's necessary at times. I think if your body's tapped, uh, which a lot of times it can be, it's okay not to do a cool down after a race. Um, the main purpose for a cool down for me, people, is one, usually I got to get home from where I'm working out hard or my race. That's one reason. But two, um, when I said you should not static stretch before a race, um, it's because it can take away from your performance and that is fact, but afterwards you can get some nice elasticity, uh, and range of motion gains from static stretching after the work is done. So a lot of times after a race or a hard workout, you're going to cool down, your body's going to get cold again. And the purpose of the cool down for me, or the warm down, a lot of people call it, which is actually a more accurate term is I kind of get my body temp up again. I kind of loosen the muscles back up again. And then I can take, you know, 10, 20 minutes to static stretch and really rework that range of motion again. Um, as far as static stretching goes, I don't do any of it before any runs. I only do it afterwards. And that's where it shows the most benefit. Um, once your body's really warm and loose, you get the most um, flexibility gains from static stretching afterward. Um, so after a race, the cool down or warm down is going to help you just sort of like, I don't know, get warm again so those muscles can be stretched effect effectively. So that's the main purpose, in my opinion, is that cool down is just going to make sure that sweat keeps going. It's going to make sure you stay warm, but then follow it up with some nice static stretching to, to help with that range of motion. Um, that's the main reason I do mind bracken, to be honest with you, just to stay hot, work out some of the kinks, and and then that way I'm ready to get a nice stretch in when I'm all finished. Yeah, I I'm open to being proved wrong on this. 
but I don't think that there's any real need to do any work after a workout or a race. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's about getting your body back to homeostasis. Correct. And like you said, it's, I do my reverse cool down so that my body doesn't go from extreme exertion to extreme, just cold and shiver. And now everything locks in place and gets stiff. There's some power to getting it warm one more time, putting it through some motions and stretches, and then resuming your day where I'm just not as stiff and achy throughout the day and things don't flare up and bark at me. I, I used to have a college coach tell me, you know, go and get a really good extended, like 10, 20 minute warm up. I mean, cool down. You got to be running. You got to get spend some time on your feet. I don't believe in that um, unless you're trying to extend endurance for a long race to get that extended cool down that we've talked about. But that's just an, a run afterwards. I don't need if I finish an interval workout and I'm trashed. I won't do a cool down. I'll walk for a few minutes, but then I'll do 10 to 20 minutes of mobility work and like self massage or things like that. It's just about getting your muscles back to a point where they can start repairing rather than keep tightening and tightening and tightening and damage more. Yeah, that's a good point. The biggest difference I notice, and I'll tell you, honestly, after a lot of races, I don't do any of it. I'm just ready to have a beer and either lick my wounds or puff my chest out, depending how the race went. And I just don't feel like it. I want to hang with my buddies and I want to share battle stories. And and that's kind of okay. But um, the biggest difference I'll notice is if I do a cool down and I get some static stretching or even dynamic stretching and afterwards, then I get in my car and I drive back home or I drive to my hotel. The difference in how I feel when I get out of the car is like, mm -hmm. if I don't do anything and I get out of the car, I'm like, well, there it sat in. Whereas if I do some a cool down and I get some stretching in, I'll get out of the car and it won't it won't be as like aggressive of a stiffness. Yeah. So yeah, whatever that means to you. The like just like I say with the the shorter the race, the longer the warm up. The shorter the race, the longer I cool down. Mm -hmm. If I'm running a mile race or a stadium or a short course. I'm jogging afterwards. I'm loosening up. I'm going through a full range of motion. If I'm getting done with the Tahoe Beast or an Ultra, I am surviving. And I'm when a body part allows me to move it and stretch it a little bit, I do it. And that's about it. I'm getting warm and I'm getting food and getting range of motion before I'm doing anything else. Yep. Yeah. And on those days, an evening walk. That's like, that's my cool down. Before bed, one more time through some range of motion so that I can lay for the next 10 hours without having something bad happen. That's, that's true. I would say the, the quickest way that's helped me recover after a hard effort is actually just doing a little something the day after and getting a stretch in, like just rewake, not, not even running maybe. Maybe it's just putting on a lot of clothes and getting hot and do, running through some dynamic movements. That seems to work the kinks out almost as much or more than if I do something immediately after the race. Just yeah. like get, get the energy flowing the next day a little bit seems to go a long way with me multiple times moving the day of your race after the race and then the actual day after like every hour i have to get up and move a little bit otherwise it sets in for me really heavily yeah uh, as far as the cool down goes what else do you want to touch on there this this episode primarily is has been focusing on the warm up which was our purpose what else do you have to add to the cool down that's it I don't have much. I think you find your modality that gets you cooled down. After a really hard workout, I just sit on my spin bike. I sit upright. I look at my phone. I look at the GPS data or I'll message people. And I just, my legs move for like five or 10 minutes and that's it. And then I do my mobility and stuff like that. If you have uh, compression boots or if you have a massager or if you have a pool, like do some of that stuff at that point. But it's, it's just getting your body back to homeostasis. That's it. You just want to yep. stay out of the way and not do anything to hurt yourself. Like I said, I'm open to argument on this, but I've tried everything throughout the years. And sometimes big extended cooldowns only make me feel worse. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's there's other sides of this coin, but we are both in the same camp there on the cooldown. Uh, Bracken, as we wrap this thing up, we have something exciting to announce to our listeners. Oh, yeah. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So, guys... Um, very exciting. We we hit the top 40 list in Apple Podcasts in the running department this last week or two. Uh, top 40. I know it's not a huge deal, but it's a start, guys. It's in that, the world. It's in the world. We hit the top 40. Um, I don't see any other uh, obstacle course racing podcasts that have hit the top 40. Um, I guess we dive into that a little bit. So anyway, so thank you. And that comes from people listening. That comes from uh, ratings and reviews and all of that helps prioritize us. So I looked this morning and much to my surprise, and uh, we are in the top 40. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's important to note that we are the youngest podcast on there. 
And it's because of our listeners' ratings and reviews. Um, most of the other podcasts have years and years of doing this, and so they build up their rating. We've moved up quickly because you guys have been vocal about it. And so that's on you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for the reviews and thank you for the ratings. And we wanted to give back a little bit, don't we, Kirk? Yes, sir, we do. So we decided uh, for the next four weeks, uh, each week we are going to give away a month of coaching um, to one of you, the listeners, honestly, just to say thank you. And and how we're going to decide that is any new review that comes in between one training Tuesday and the next we are going to put those names in a hat and randomly draw one of you for a free month of coaching. Um, so that basically what you have to do is you have to write a review for us. On, we typically look at Apple Podcasts, but any other outlets if we can find them. Um, and then we're going to randomly select one of you. It doesn't matter the content. It doesn't matter if you give us a five star or a one star. We do not look at that. I want to emphasize that it has nothing to do with the actual content of your review. Um, but every week we're going to pick one of you out of the most recent week's pool of reviews for one free month of coaching with either myself or Bracken Cracker. You like saying Cracker, don't you? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'll let it go. <laughs> yeah. So what do you got to add to that, Bracken? What do you think? I think that you should choose me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I think that we are here because you guys are doing it for us. So thank you so much. Take advantage of this. And like, like Kirk said, doesn't matter what you write. Um, be honest. And we use that. We use your feedback for driving what we do and we use any questions or tips you have for content for the next episode. So we really do appreciate it. And we just want to give back a little bit. Yeah. This really is a thank you to you guys um, for, I don't know, you know, just reviewing and rating up to this point. So, uh, and, and just to dive in a little more about what you would get if you work with us, um, you know, whatever plan we make for you, we give you four weeks of workouts typically uh, completely customized to you, your race goals, your performance goals, the facilities you have at your disposal. I know a lot of you are working out from home right now. The time you have available uh, to work out and how many days per week you can run and cross train and all that stuff. Like everything is completely customized to you. This free month of coaching, I know a few of you have won those already. This is going to be a full blown training plan. Um, like it's not a cookie cutter program. We are going to take all of your personal factors into account. So this is a, I think it's a, it's a very great value. So um, we have four weeks of that to look forward to. Yes, we do. So send those reviews and we'll pick someone at random. All right. I, I got nothing more. I think we should wrap this baby up. Wrap it up. Get out there, nail your quality workouts, but do it with a warm up beforehand and dial in your race day routines. Mm-hmm.